Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, pet lovers everywhere, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and I hope 2014 has begun brilliantly for all of you. To start the new year off right, I've invited Kathleen Quinn, the Executive Director of Pilots and Paws, onto the program to talk about the truly commendable all-volunteer organization that flies rescued pets to new homes, foster families, or special rescue sites. And if that's not enough to make you start smiling, after our halftime break, Linda Carroll from LA for Animals Foundation will be stopping by to chat about the work her organization is doing to end euthanasia in local shelters. So stay right where you are and we'll get started with the Pet Place Radio Show after a quick message here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is Kathleen Quinn, the Executive Director of Pilots and Paws. Happy New Year, Kathleen. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, I am really delighted to have you on the show because I am a big fan of Pilots and Paws. And just so that we could get our listeners just as excited as I am, why don't we tell our listeners all about what Pilots and Paws is? Great. Pilots and Paws was started about five years ago. And what we do is we have a group of volunteer pilots across the country. There are about 4,000 of them. And they offer their planes, their the cost of their fuel, and their time to provide free transport for rescue animals. Typically, the flights are if someone's adopting an animal or if a rescue is pulling an animal from a shelter, then they would post a request on our website, and our pilots would get directly in touch and help them out with transport. Wow, that is awesome. And is there a charge for this? No. Um, all the costs fall on the, the shoulders of the pilots. And, um, you know, they provide the free transport. So, yeah, it's really just a great service that they're offering. That is absolutely awesome. About how many animals do you figure you've uh, helped get out of shelters and into new homes? Well, we actually transported over 15,000 um, last year in 2013. Seriously? And the oh nice my. thing is, as we see more and more pilots register on our website, fewer and fewer of the requests that people post go unfilled. Wow. So we have seen, you know, a great increase in the number of animals rescued every single year. So I would say, you know, probably estimates around 50,000 animals total since 2008. Oh, that is just so remarkable. And how did the pilots hear about your organization? Well, interviews like this one, hopefully we have some pilots out there listening and they can go to our website, www.palaceandpaws.org to find out more information. We also have some pilots who will man booths at different aviation-type events, you know, a lot of different news stories about pilots and paws, word of mouth. Um, you know, we still hear from so many pilots, though, who they're just so happy once they've heard about our organization because, you know, if they're an animal lover and then they also have a plane and they love to fly, you know, 
pilots are always, we're told, looking for an excuse to, you know, to get up in the air. So this really is just really rewarding um, reason to do what they love to do. Oh, that's pretty cool. So if they love animals and they love to fly, Pilots and Paws is the perfect organization for them. Exactly. And, you know, we know that the cost of flying is very, very expensive. So, you know, our pilots will probably do as many flights as they could, but they're usually prohibited by cost. But one nice thing is that we are a national charity, and our 501c3 status allows the pilots to deduct certain portions of their flight, such as if they're running a plane or portions of the fuel as a charitable donation, which is, you know, kind of a, a nice little incentive for them to be able to give back, you know, with, with their wonderful gift of aviation. Oh, that's great. That's really good to know. But they also get credit for flight hours because they have to keep up a certain amount of flight hours each year, too. Exactly. And we have a lot of student pilots, actually, who, you know, it's they're having such um, a, a great number of hours required to be able to earn their license as well. And it's really nice because... We have students who do the flights while they're building their hours with their flight instructor. And, you know, we've heard from a lot of people that, you know, it just gives them great experience with knowing, you know, the weight distribution of the plane, different exercises that they might not have gone through with their flight instructors had it not been for, you know, figuring out how to fit the crates into the plane safely and everything. So they said that it's a wonderful exercise and, you know, they're just, feel good while they're doing it. Oh, that so is a really win-win. cool. And you had a big operation out in Georgia recently, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We had, every year we have a huge rescue flyway. And these events usually involve about 100 pilots. We're usually transporting hundreds of animals. And this year we had it out in Hinesville, Georgia. And just to sort of paint a picture for you, what was going on is that we had animals and pilots arriving at the airport starting about 5 a.m. on October 5th. And we had about um, probably about 70 pilots on the ground um, in Hinesville. And then those pilots, we sometimes, most of our pilots fly about 250 miles at once. Wow. So they'll relay together to cover larger distances. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, it was great. We had pilots... Um, Waiting, you know, standby in North Carolina. We had them waiting, um, you know, in the Virginia and D.C. area. And so that way, you know, let's just say a plane, you know, takes off from Hinesville, Georgia with seven animals. Well, you know, the pilot, the first pilot might land in North Carolina. The second pilot takes over. They fly them into Virginia. A third pilot takes over and then takes them all the way to their final destination of New Jersey. Oh, So, okay. you know, that was one of the series of transports that would take place on that day, and then other animals went to Florida. So it was just a wonderful, wonderful day, and we actually transported over 500 animals. Wow, um, that is remarkable. And out of the kill shelters. We, we emptied an entire shelter. You emptied an entire shelter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it was a great day. Dogs, cats, any unusual exotic animals? Yeah, you know, most people think when they hear pilots and pilots, they do think of dogs, and that's, you know, typically the majority of the flights that take place are to transport dogs or cats. But, you know, as long as it's a rescue animal, um, we've had pilots who have flown boa constrictors. We've had, we actually had one pilot who flew um, two small donkeys once oh, in my his goodness. plane. I know we had a request for, I think, an African lion. Um, I don't think that one actually took place, but, you know, we, we, we've we flown eagles, different birds, different sanctuaries, so oh, a lot of different critters great. with pilots and paws. Oh, how fun. Do you have photographs of some of these animals and the pilots and yeah, this sort yeah, of a Yeah, you know, we have a lot of our pilots 
take a picture of every single animal that they've flown, which is pretty cool to be able to chronicle all of their flights. And we actually post daily rescue stories on our Facebook page. And we also post them to our website, which, again, is pilot, the letter N, and then the word pause.org. Pilot, and so the letter love, N, yeah, pause.org. Okay. Yeah, people love going there and checking out the stories. You know, a lot of smiles, a lot of, you know, animals who are coming from really bad situations, but then just rags to riches kind of stories where their lives are just completely changed and they're, you know, flown by our pilots to a loving new home. That is awesome. And I heard that some of the animals that you rescued from your flyaway in Georgia ended up as service and comfort dogs for soldiers suffering from PTSD. Exactly. Yeah, we, we've um, partnered with, you know, several different organizations where if it's even an animal, it's always great when the animal is starting out as a rescue animal and then being trained as a service animal. And so it was kind of nice with our flyaway because it came full circle in that um, one of the shelters we emptied, emptied was the Fort Stewart shelter. And a lot of the animals that ended up in that shelter were because members of our military, you know, had to turn their pets in when they were called to um, serve overseas. So it was really great because, you know, those animals were brought up to New Jersey. And as you said, they're being trained now to become a comfort and service dog for soldiers who return with post-traumatic stress um, syndrome. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's uh, really nice. And, you know, we've had times, too, where, um, a member of our military who has to serve overseas, maybe they have, you know, an aunt or a cousin or their parents are able to care for their dog while they're away. Mm-hmm. So we, we also have our pilots will sometimes be able to make those flights for them. So if, you know, let's say the soldier is in, you know, Charleston, South Carolina, and their family is in Virginia, you know, we can make that flight so that way the dog can stay in the family and oh, be able to, great. you know, be returned once, once they come back from fighting overseas. I'm so glad to hear that you do that because I, I know that so many service people do have to leave their pets if they're called to exactly. active duty overseas, and, and it's heartbreaking. So it's wonderful that you're able to fly these animals to family members and relatives and friends and in other parts of the country so that they don't have to be turned over to shelters. That is Yeah, a amazing. lot of our pilots, you know, are retired military and, I know, you know, most of our pilots, they, they really do anything they can to help, you know, those who are giving, you know, so much for to defend our country. And we actually had a wonderful story where there was a soldier who was fighting in Afghanistan a few years ago, and um, he was trained to work with military working dogs. And um, the dog that he had was um, still working when he came back, but the dog just retired. And we had a couple of pilots who actually relayed together that once the dog was brought back to the United States, they made the flight to um, unite Inca with her, you know, former owner, Joe. And we've heard from him, and he said they're just inseparable, you know, so wonderful to... It was just the pictures from when he saw her at the airport and seeing them reunited is just really, really heartwarming. Wow, and those photos are posted on your pilotsandpaws.org website. Exactly, yeah. We have the daily stories run on the website and then also on the Facebook page, and we share them through Twitter as well. And you have a couple of sponsors, too, I hear, that are helping you out. Yeah, we do. You know, we have um, Subaru and Petmate, and, you know, we experience a lot of growth once they partnered with us. They're just wonderful sponsors, so involved with what we do. You know, they help us with our flyaways. They're on scene. You know, Petmate gives us the crates that we need, and 
Subaru just offers so much support. So we're so fortunate to have them joining it, our cause. Subaru helped you with a video, too. Yeah, they did. They did a great video. Did you see the video about the flyway? I did. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's posted on our website, and maybe you can even share it with your listeners. Cause it, it just really paints a great picture of knowing what happens and what takes place at the flyway. I mean, people who, who leave the event just say that they're so humbled by the experience, and you really have to be there to really, you know, understand it. But we do post a lot of updates from those days and a lot of stories, and you know, it's a great way to, to raise awareness, you know, because it gets a lot of media coverage, and everyone gets to work together to just make a huge difference and a huge impact in such a short period of time. Kathleen, it sounds like 2013 was a phenomenal year for Pilots and Paws, and I suspect your volunteer pilots will break some more records in 2014. So keep up the good work, and a very happy new year to all of you at Pilots and Paws. Oh, thank you so much. Happy new year. Thank you. We need to take a quick pet place break now, but don't go away. Linda Carroll, the founder of LA for Animals, is standing by to talk about big plans in 2014 that will hopefully end euthanasia in local shelters. So keep your radio right here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM to hear more about this after a quick pet place break. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Joining me now is Mike Johnson, my partner in crime here at the Pet Place. Hi, Marie. Hello. I'm doing well. How are you? Very good, thank you. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. You you know, I know all of our listeners are waiting to hear Linda Carroll, the founder of L.A. for Animals, but she had an emergency, and we're going to have to get her rescheduled. Yeah, those things happen sometimes when you're rescuing animals, huh? Absolutely, but you're my uh, my producer here at the pet <laughs> place, and and you are such a good guy because you offered to come in and talk about your holiday experiences well, with you know, your own little pet. We have a Jack Russell Terrier at the house, and on New Year's Eve, uh, I always worry about her because the neighbors and the kids in the neighborhood sometimes shoot off the bottle rockets ah. and shoot off the, the, the M80s or whatever they are these days That's and make, make making the that. loud kaboom. And, I mean, what do you do for an animal who is, who, I mean, literally Amber jumped in my lap and she was quivering in fear. Oh. What, do you, what do you do for a, a dog like that? Well, you know, a lot of people have that same problem. And what I usually recommend is having the quietest room of your house available. Right. Put on some soft music, maybe K-Jazz, 88.1 FM, have that playing in the background, right. and sort of seal off your windows. A lot of double-paned glass is, is pretty good, mm-hmm. but you can also put some extra stuff around there, some cardboard, try to make the room as soundproof as possible, put in some of her comfort items, maybe a special blankie or a toy, mm-hmm. keep the room kind of dark and just soothing, and that usually is enough to, to keep a pet feeling secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your lap's not available, obviously. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, it really is so that literally I, I've come to just dread New Year's Eve as well as the 4th of July because I know the sounds are going to be out there and she's going to be terrified. Some animals 
respond so negatively to fireworks that they they actually do need some medicinal intervention. Oh. And you can go to your veterinarian, explain the problem, and they can actually prescribe some relaxing medication. Is, is that common? Is that common? <laughs> it actually is because animals when they're fearful of these loud booms and yeah. bangs, they'll do some pretty terrible things that can result in them getting injured. I remember during my years working at animal control, sometimes animals would literally go through a plate glass window or a sliding oh glass my. door wow. to get away from what they feel is the world collapsing around them. Okay. And they run in a panic in the street. And I mean, it's horrible. So if your pet really, really suffers from anxiety when there's fireworks going on, mm-hmm that might be your best bet to get some pharmaceutical intervention. You know, it, it, it's just, you know, it's like anything else. As a parent of, of a child, you want to do what you can for your child. And the same thing as a pet parent. Sure. You want to make sure that you can do whatever you can to make sure your, your little doggy or kitty or whatever it might be is, is, is feeling warm and the world's going to be okay. Absolutely. Well, I was close enough to Disneyland right. where the Disneyland fireworks affect my little Pomeranian. At 9.35 every night. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to be there, and I hold him in my lap, just like you do with Amber, mm-hmm. and comfort him and tell him that everything's okay. And and it's it's pretty stressful, but I, I think he's kind of milking it, though, at this point, because he oh. knows, oh, it's lap time. <laughs> <laughs> Over the holidays, also, a relative of mine who I won't identify because I like being married... <laughs> Uh, I kept feeding Amber treats constantly. Oh. Now, Amber, now, Amber is what I would call, I guess, a small to medium-sized dog. And She's a Jack Russell. Jack Russell Terrier. Okay. Not, 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 maybe not specifically just for Amber, but is there a certain weight where, where you've gone too far? I mean, how, how can, when you, like, we take the dog in periodically for shots and that sort of thing, but how do you know when, when your pet is too overweight? Well, you need to be able to fill the rib cage at least a little bit. Okay. I'm not talking, you know, skeletal. Right. And you should be able to fill the bumps along the spine mm-hmm. and have a little bit of a waist also where, where her body goes in. If she's just a, a flat tube yeah. <laughs> or a tube-shaped pet, mm-hmm. then you know that there's something going on. If you can't fill any ribs, if you can't fill any vertebrae on the back at all, then it's probably time for a little exercise and monitoring of the diet. I was going to say, is exercise, does it work as easily for pets as it does for human beings? I'm using a little bit of facetiousness when I say that because obviously losing weight for for people can be tough too. Well, that's the great thing. You can actually develop a program for you and your dog and go out and take daily walks uh, you want for a human being you're looking at 10,000 steps a day and 10,000 steps for a dog a day is absolutely perfect mm. so you get out there you do maybe a half hour to an hour walk in the morning a half hour to an hour walk in the evening and if you have time in the afternoon to get home for lunch another half hour to hour walk your dog will love it. And then you make sure that they don't get the snacks. I know relatives are real difficult when it comes to I didn't say who. <laughs> <laughs> I know in my family, when my relatives come over, 
everybody wants to give table scraps mm-hmm. to the dogs, which we never do ordinarily in our family. What do you what do you what do you do when that happens? When you have when you have people who are not mean to be dumb, but they're just trying to be nice to your animal. I just gently remind everybody, uh uh uh, no table scraps. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep their uh, lean and healthy physique here. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've seen your pets. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, you actually cut lifetime off of your pet if yeah. you get it to be overweight and, and no exercise. And, and nobody would intentionally do that sure. to their animal. Sure. So you want to keep them svelte. You want to keep them in their you know, nice athletic shape. And, and dogs really are so athletic, naturally. Mm-hmm. They love to run. They love to play. And it's true, they will turn into couch potatoes if you let them, and they'll seem to love that, too. But mm-hmm. if you take them out to Dog Beach and throw a ball for them or let them run around and meet other dogs, I mean, they're thrilled. They have such a great time. And then they come home, and then they conk out for a while, and then they're ready to go again. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> When you think about all the things that that, that, that we do in our lives and, and having our pets with us for so many of them, obviously, you know, maybe not day-to-day at, at the office, uh, but, I mean, bringing the dogs to the beach, some folks would say, you know, you shouldn't do that. That that's, it would make a mess and, the, and the, the, the cleaning up that you have to do after the animal at the mm-hmm. beach. Uh, what, do you, what would you say about that? Well, obviously, there are only a few beaches where dogs are allowed, and, and it's for that very reason. A lot of people don't appreciate the fact that dogs are are peeing in the sand yeah. or, or pooping. And, yeah. uh, but at, at beaches are declared dog beaches. Mm-hmm. You do obviously need to pick up after your dog. There are plenty of trash cans usually, and there's usually bag dispensers in convenient locations. And everybody knows this is where the dogs are. So you're, if you're not a dog lover and you don't want a strange dog walking up to you and looking you in the face when you're laying down trying to get a suntan, then that's not the place for you to be. <laughs> when we've taken our, our uh, Jack Russell to the vet, uh, obviously not everybody's the same. Sometimes uh, in Amber's enthusiasm, enthusiasm, she wants to jump on people's laps of people that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And some people are okay with that, and some people obviously are saying, you know, control your animal, please. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there sort of a fine line where you have to know at the vet just can keep your dog with you because invariably if you're a dog on a, if you have a dog on a leash he or she is going to want to go and say hi to the other dogs yeah. is there a line there well definitely that's a good question in a in a veterinary hospital or at a pet supply store that allows pets to come in you should keep your dog on a short leash and understand that a lot of people are uncomfortable sure. with strange animals coming to see them or their own pet mm-hmm. so just out of courtesy it's best just to keep your pet close to you now at dog beach that's another story right i know my dog cody a pomeranian okay when he's running around He loves to go say hello to everybody who's sitting at the beach. He'll get in between couples who are kissing, and he'll join in on the kissing. (laughs) And usually they're good sports about it. You know, sometimes I feel a little bit bad, but again, if you don't like dogs, you shouldn't be at dog beach. (laughs) And I guess that's kind of why I'm asking about about the veterinarian also. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Sometimes, you know, folks 
have have their their you know well, most people who bring their dogs to the vet have friendly dogs. Yeah. So it's not a matter of you're afraid that there's going to be a, a a large animal that's going to eat your dog. Right. Right. Uh, but you know, there's a line there. You want to be respectful for people's you know uh, a sense of space as well as trying to make sure that you know your your dog is is doing the right thing. The rule of thumb there is to ask permission. Mm-hmm. Is it okay if my dog comes over and says hello to your dog? Mm-hmm. They might say, "Well, no, my dog right now has a heart condition and that's why we're here at the vet office and we have to keep keep him very calm and quiet." Mm-hmm. Or somebody else might say, "Yeah, sure, come on over. Let's say let's mm-hmm. say hello." And mm-hmm. so ask permission, everything is going to be great. And that's the same thing for, for any time you're out and about, even if you don't have a dog. And this is something I really like children to know about. Mm. If you're walking around and you see a dog and you want to pet it, don't just go running up and petting the dog. Ask permission. Make sure it's okay. Make sure it's okay. If you're a kid listening out there, make sure you ask your parents first if right. it's okay right. to pet another dog. Mm-hmm. And, and, and use proper protocol when meeting a dog. Put your hand out, uh, the back of your hand. Let the dog sniff the back of your hand. Mm -hmm. Don't make sudden movements, even if it's a real friendly dog. If it's a dog that looks like it's already pulling and tugging and jumping on the leash saying, hey, I want to see you, I want to see you, you better expect that that dog is going to jump on you too. So if you don't want the dog to jump on you, then maybe that's not the right dog to go up and pet. You have to sort of read the situation and and see what you think is right for you. Well, Marie, thank you for letting me come on your show here for a few moments. (laughs) It's always fun to have you on the show, Mark. Thank you. you. You are a dog enthusiast, and I'm sure everybody loves hearing all about your Amber story. Amber Good Dog on Facebook. So stay tuned, and we'll be back momentarily on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Today, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Rover Rescue will be showcasing and adopting out some wonderful animals in need of homes. This special adoption event will be held at Sentinella Feed, located at 413 North Pacific Coast Highway in Redondo Beach. For more information, visit www.roverrescue.com. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. That's all for me today. Remember... Pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful 2014.